0: Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you that, Lord, as we were worshiping you, you were ministering to your people. As we look into your word, your precious word, I pray that, Lord, that you will speak to us. Holy Spirit, teach us. And we bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I've told you many times that, um, that after I got saved, you know, I was in a very strong Bible teaching Southern Baptist Church and, uh, and it was during the time where the Living Bible was very popular. And, um, and I had a living Bible, and my mom gave it to me probably five years before that, because they were very popular. And, um, and it was good, and I enjoyed it. But the beauty of it is that, well, the negative of it is that it was so big I couldn't take it anywhere with me. And, um, and I was just I don't even know the proper word, I was just amazed. Because now the, the very, you know, God himself lived within me. And he was opening my eyes up to when the word of God and when the pastor would preach. I mean, I'm not kidding you. I have told you that the, the deacons used to kick me off of the front row. Because if you were ever in the old days in a Baptist church, the deacons all sat on the front row. <laughs> Some of you laughing, you know what I'm talking about. And, and I would scoot up and I'd sit on the end. And they would go, Ryan, this, you're not supposed to be sitting here okay. And I, I just, because I wanted to, I, I thought if I got closer to the pulpit, the more word I would get. I really did. I mean, I was just ignorant, but just excited about it. And this young guy, um, came in and, uh, cause the Baptists every spring or so have a re, what they call a revival, you know, the Southern Baptists, it was spring revival. And, um, they brought this young guy in I mean, Willard Cagle and, uh, Willard was probably, I was, what, 17? Willard was probably in his mid-20s, but he was a fiery, fiery preacher, and good. He wasn't, like, condemning, but he was just, he believed it, and he, and he had, a, and I, I think I told you this, that he had a little thin New Testament Psalms and Proverbs, like, it was about that big. I've got one, and I didn't bring it today. And he would stick it in his back pocket, and he'd pull it out, and he'd look at it, you know, when instead of putting it in a pulpit, he put it back in his back pocket. But he had one that matched every color suit that he wore. <laughs> and this young believer, hippie kid, was just amazed at that. I thought it was so cool. So I went to the store, got me one of those Bibles. And I carried that thing around and I used it all the time because the Word of God became so exciting to me. So exciting to me. And then through different circumstances and In 76, I moved to North Florida, and I was serving as as just a volunteer in the youth ministry at this church called First Baptist of Hilliard, Florida. And um, in 1977, while I was still there, in fact, I'll tell you what day it was. January 9, 1977, it was a Sunday, and uh, one of the couples there, you know, were, were... they say, hey, Ronnie, how you doing? And, and the man, Mr. Roland, had, had this Bible. And it was a Scofield reference Bible, which was very popular back then. And, um, and he was sitting there looking at it, he's going, I said, Mr. Roland, what's the matter? He goes, and his wife was standing there. Her name was Linda. And Linda goes, I got him this Bible for Christmas, and he doesn't like it. And I went, and me, seeing this, to me, this was a preacher's Bible. And I knew it was called in a ministry. And it was a preacher's Bible. I was like, why don't you like it? He goes, it's too big. And he goes, what do you think of it? And I went, I think it's great. And he goes, okay. And after the service, he comes up to me and he goes, here. And I went, what are you doing? He goes, no, here. He goes, I could see the excitement in your eyes. And he goes, and I think you'll probably use it more than even I will. And they wrote in front of it and they said this. There's a reason for this. It says, Ronnie, and I pulled this out last night. It came to mind, and I remembered it, and I pulled it out off my bookshelf. Ronnie, may God richly bless you in your daily walk with him, underlined, and for him, underlined. And it goes on and on and on. It says this. I'm not going to read all of it to you. Remember, the devil will try to keep you away from the, this book, but this book will keep you away from the devil. 1977 became my bible all the way through pretty much bible college. And I'll tell you more about that as we go along. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you feel about the Bible? Now think about it. How do you feel about the Bible? What value does it have to you in your life? Now, we looked at it in this little series we're going and we looked at the word of God. And there's there's no difference, okay? But today, I'm going to say the Bible, because this is something we have in our hand, okay? Now, let me ask you a question. Don't, well, no, I won't embarrass anybody. I'm going to ask you guys to do me a favor. For the next month, don't, if you, unless you don't have one, don't use One of these on Sunday morning. You're going, you're getting personal now. There's a reason. I ask you to trust me on this. Don't use one of these. If you do, that's fine. If this is all you've got. But I'm going to ask you for the next month, bring one of these. If you don't have one, there's Bibles in the back. You can have one. You can keep it. But get one of these. And there's a reason. As we go along this morning, I'm going to tell you. There's a reason for this. One thing I'll tell you right now. Down the road, the batteries fail in this. Now I'm stepping on toes. There's no batteries in this. It's old-fashioned. It never loses power. What value does it have? What is, value does this have in your life? That's the question I want you to think about as we go through this today. Turn with me. Now today I'm only going to put a couple of scriptures up, but I'll put the references, but we're going to have to turn together, okay? Now this one will be up there, but i ask you, turn with me. And Linda, you're back there. Don't put the scripture up till, we, till I say it, okay? Psalm 119, verse 11. Don't put it up yet. Psalm 119, verse 11. Turn to it. We may take a little longer today. You know why? Because we have to turn in our Bibles. Psalm 119. Look at verse 11. Now you can put it up, baby girl. Just look at the first part of it for right now. In your Bible, your word have I treasured in my heart. Now stop there. Your word have I treasured in my heart. I'm gonna say it again for emphasis. Your word have I treasured in my heart. The word treasure, in some versions, it says I have hidden. But the word treasure means to conceal something. Now listen to this. To conceal something of great value. Now, let me hold on to this a lot today. Treasure something of great value. Let me ask you a question. How do you feel about the Word of God? What value have you placed on it? You're going, well, it doesn't do much for me. I would tend to disagree. And we'll see as we go along. Your word have I treasured in my heart. Your word have I placed great value on, so much so that I've, I've hidden it, I've treasured it, I've concealed it in my heart. I've placed it in there. It's of that value, it's so important to me that I wanna protect it in my heart. Doesn't the Bible say guard your heart? Why? Because if you have the word of God in it, You're protecting that in your heart. That thing is is of the greatest value to you. We'll see more as we go along. Now, turn with me to 2 Timothy, chapter three. You can put that up there, there you go. 2 Timothy, chapter three. And please understand, my friends, there's no condemnation in anything I am saying today. I want you to know that. There's something I'm, that I've been thinking about and praying about. It's been wonderfully, as we say in the country, eating in my crawl right in there. It's been really deep in there that I, I think we need to, to, to look at. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Let's start there. Now, before, you, before we start... Timothy, a young preacher guy, we don't know how old he was, Um, in Acts we see that Paul picked him up um, on the way on one of his uh, missionary journeys and he became Paul's spiritual son. He was young. He was from a... Please understand why they say this. He was a half-breed. He was half-Gentile, half-Jew. His dad was a Greek, his mom was Jewish, his grandmother was Jewish. And we're going to see in a moment that his mom and his grandmother taught him the Word of God. The Word of God rested rich in this young man. Paul saw that. The the church community saw that. We don't know if his dad was saved or not. We don't know that. Most believe he probably wasn't. But his mom and his grandmother came to. Came to know Christ. So did Timothy. Paul loved him, saw something in him, took him on his missionary journeys, and he became a pastor later on. He's a pastor in Ephesus during this time. Now, look what he says. Look what Paul says to him. Verse 14. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and have become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood, You have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture, he's telling this to him, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that, here's the reason, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now, we're going to look at a couple of things. I want to look at something real quick. The weight of Scripture. What we're going to do, we're going to reverse it. We're going to start at verse 16, and we're going to work back up. The weight of Scripture. What is the weight? It's inspired by God. It's God-breathed. Look at verse 16 again. All Scripture is inspired by God. i stop there. Inspired, meaning God-breathed. Now, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. The word in the Greek there is a compound word which does mean God breathe, And that's a literal translation of it. Now look what, read with me 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 21. Look what it says. Well, let's back up to 20. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. It's God-breathed. It didn't come about. This Bible that we have did not come about because some guy wanted to sit down and write it. It didn't come about because you know, these 66 books with multiple authors— they all thought the same thing, centuries apart, and said, I think we're going to write the Bible. It didn't happen that way. It was God-breathed. God, through the Holy Spirit, moved on men to write this. It came from him. It's inspired by him. It was written by him, even though a human was his amanuensis. Emmanuensis, you're going, what is that? It was a, uh, how would you say, um... stenographer in the old days. Paul had an amanuensis. When he would write, sometimes it would be Luke, sometimes it would be others. And he would dictate to them and they would write it down. So man was just the instrument that God used to write his word out for us. Let's stop there. Psalm chapter 33 verse 6. Turn to it. It's up there if you want to read it that way, but turn to it. Now let me tell you something real quick. See this? This is a writing utensil. You're going, okay, so keep this in your mind as we go along. We have multiple object lessons today. Psalm 36, 33 verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath, catching this, by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. God made everything, he breathed it into existence, spoke it into existence. You catch the, 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 the joining of breathing and speaking? Because when we speak, breath comes out, does it not? God spoke his word, man wrote it down. God spoke things into existence, they were created. This is from God. We don't have time to go through it all today, and I'm not John MacArthur, so I can't do that, and I don't have a desire to be John MacArthur. How much of Scripture is God breathed? Look what it says, verse 16. What's the first word of, of 2 Timothy? Go back, and you're going, wait a minute, where are we? <laughs> keep up, keep up. What's the first word? All. all. So does that mean Some. Does that mean partial? No. So everything that God put down for us, all of this is inspired, God-breathed. All of it. In the Greek, this word means all. In Spanish, it would mean all. In Hebrew, probably even deeper, mean evitang. Okay? All of it. There's not a jot nor a tittle no a period nor a comma there's nothing that God did not inspire then why does it have the, have any value to us anymore why is it not important why do we want man's teaching and man's words more than we want God's word because we're lazy and I say that to me too but look what it does look at the rest of it all scripture is inspired by God and what and profitable now look at what it says, profitable. It's inspired and it's profitable. You know what profitable means? It means sufficient. Absolutely sufficient. It can take care of the need with no problem. Look what it says. It's profitable for teaching, which means instructing. It's profitable for what? Reproof. Now that's something we don't like because it means rebuke. But you know what's interesting? It means this. It means convicting of an error, convicting one who's erring from within error. But you go, well, what does that mean? Look one page over in second Timothy to chapter 2, look at verse 24. The Lord's bondservant, no, wait a minute, stop. Who's the Lord's bondservant? Don't say Timothy. No, you. We are, are we not bondservants of the Lord? Okay. Let's read it that way. Is he talking about, Paul talking about Timothy? Yes. He's calling him a bondservant. But all believers are bondservants. And look what he says. The Lord's bondservant must be, must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. And that, they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Why is correcting from God's word important? Because when we start believing something else, we are moving into the bondage of the enemy. And the word of God draws us back. It corrects the error if we will let it. But you know what's interesting? This is really cool. Look what it says in verse 29. Now, here, how many of you got one of these? How many can dig out of your purse or your pocket? Okay, I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna I tell you to do this all the time. Circle, come to his senses, or their senses. Circle it. And draw a little line and write this. It means this, to awake from a drunken stupor. You know what that means? It means we were deceived. We went to something else to get what we thought that the word of God couldn't give us. Why does the Bible say in Ephesians chapter four, chapter four chapter five? Think chapter four. It says, be not drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because drinking wine is the counterfeit to being filled with the Spirit. Are you catching this? You with me? Okay. So if we move into error, we're going after something that is a counterfeit for the very truth. And when the word of God corrects us and draws it back, it's the same as waking up from a drunken stupor. That's what it's saying. Okay, let's go on. is profitable for teaching, for reproof. Here's another. You go, wait a minute. Why is correction? Is correction different? No, but yes. When it convicts us, reproves us, it doesn't leave us weak and without anything. Now, look, you're going, what does that mean? Correction means this it means to strengthen one up again. See, the Word of God corrects us, exposes the error. As we read, it exposes the things in our life, but then it encourages us. It does what? It moves us up, it corrects us, it strengthens us up again so that we may walk forward in what God has called us to do. What God has called us to walk, which is with him. Is that making sense? This ought to make you jump up, slap your name, we get really Pentecostal. Hallelujah. So it corrects us. It teaches us, reproves us, corrects us. And then here's the beautiful, It it, after it strengthens us, what does it do? It trains us in righteousness. Which means what? It educates us. We get an education. Okay, why? Because it, the, this word is more than just just training in righteousness. It means to nurture as a, as a parent does to a child. That's the way God treats us, as his children. And he nurtures us in righteousness. He nurtures us to walk holy before him. He nurtures us by his word in the power of the Holy Spirit. yes. Does that make sense? I didn't know this when I was young, but I felt it. It was something, I couldn't get enough of this. All I wanted to do was read this. I read in school and got in trouble because I wasn't doing my assignments, I was doing the assignment of the Lord, which was stupid because I should have been doing my assignments. Thus I graduated with a 1.57 average. But you know what? I learned so much. I couldn't get enough. I read it at night. I'd read it wherever I was. If I had five minutes at work, I had my little back pocket Willard Cagle Bible, and I took it out and I would read it. And I'd write in it because I didn't know this, but I but it, God was doing it, and before I even really understood it. This is what the Word of God does. Now, the why. Why does it do us? Look at verse 17. So that, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Why? Because God equips us for what he wants us to do. He equips us to walk before him and in him. The word adequate means complete, means perfect. The word equipped, and you, these are things you need to pin out. Write it down. Circle it. Adequate, complete, equipped. This means this. It means to finish out. What does a construction guy do at the very end when he gets everything done? I know there's some that are struggling with construction guys. Okay. But a construction guy, when he finally does what? When he gets the, 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 the drywall up and all the things, he starts to finish it out. He makes all the seams disappear. He makes it all pretty. He makes it all right. And he, the last thing he does is check everything. But that process that he did was finishing out like a basement. You may have all the studs in there, may have all the, the fr- it's all framed out, but it's got no drywall, it's got nothing. No, so there's a process of building it out. You finish it out. I worked for an electrician. We used to put all the stuff in when I was a young guy in between college. And we would finish out that, we make sure then a the drywall guy would come in, put the drywall in, and then the guys would come in and put the doors in, and the guys and it, and all of a sudden the basement or the building was getting finished. So, this equip means to finish out. Now, let's look, look at something. Go to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians, chapter 2. Look at verse 10. This is who we are. This is what God does through his word in the Holy Spirit. Look what he does. Verse 10 of chapter 2 of Ephesians. For we are his workmanship. And that word workmanship... In the Greek, it means a poem. It means a musical composition. This is something God is developing, God is doing. We are his workmanship, created, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand so that we would what? Walk in them. Okay. Turn to Philippians, one book over. Chapter 1. You're going, I just got to Ephesians. (laughs) Philippians chapter one, look at verse six. Look what Paul says. For I am confident. Take a pen, circle confident. Look at this. That means this it means I am absolutely persuaded, I am absolutely convinced. That's what it means in the Greek. I'm absolutely, you can't tell me that this is not true. I am convinced or confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it. And you know what perfected means? Finish. He's going to finish out what he started. It means perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. That means we are in constant finishing out. God is constantly doing stuff. How does he do it? Through his word. Go back to 2 Timothy, please. The weight of scripture is what? It rests in the fact it is God's word. It is true and dependable, bringing transformation in a believer's life. People say, well, why am I not changing? Over 40-something years of being in the ministry, I've heard this thousands of times. Why am I not changing? And the first question I ask them is this, do you read your Bible? Not that much. Session done, thank you. (laughs) Why, Why am I not changing? Why am I not? Because you're not in this. We're more on, and I hate to say it, and I say it convicting myself, we're more on this. Facebook takes more time away from us. Instagram takes more time away from us. News takes more time away from us. This is how most and I say this to me even sometimes. This is how the stack goes. What's on top? We ought to call this the I Bible. We might get into it more. And I'm talking to myself too. You go, wait a minute, you study all the time. You know there's a big difference in studying and having a devotional? Pastors is one of their biggest downfalls. I try to have my devotion. I try to read my Bible. My wife will come down in the morning sometimes and see me reading, not sometimes a lot. It's when I don't do that is when it's a struggle. Because that's my time with God. Now, this is too, I love studying the Word of God. I love it. When I find the nuggets, I'm more excited than you guys are sometimes. But when we don't study the Word of God, we have a problem. Let's move on forward. Because I don't want to keep you here long, but you know what? If we do, it's okay. We looked at the weight of Scripture. Look at the worth of Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Or chapter 3, excuse me. Verse 15. Look what he says. From childhood, remember, we're backing, going back up. And, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which were able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The worth of Scripture is this. The Bible is sacred. Look what Paul said. You've, you've what? You've known. You've known that from childhood you've known the sacred writings. It's interesting. This is another word. If you circle it, sacred. it means It's from the word that means Holy. So if this, and I'll tell you something else about that in a minute. If this is called sacred, if Paul was talking about the Old Testament, which is what he was talking about, and what has been written already, because even Peter said later on that the scriptures and he was talking about Paul, about himself, about what John wrote, and others, if this is called sacred by Paul in the scriptures itself, what is he calling the word of God? It's sacred, it's holy. Sacred means this, that which may not be violated. This word in the scriptures, all through the scriptures in the Greek is never used of a person, it's only used of things. That God is called holy. We don't look at this we don't value the Scripture as holy and sacred. We value it as just something we, we have. Everybody's got a Bible. I bring it to church. We value, and I hate to say it, I'm saying it, this more than we do the Scriptures. What happens when you can't find your phone? Panic. Tell me. Was it panicky before, before we ever had these? If we can't find our Bible, are we panicked? What do they say now? Just a The way we treat the Bible shows how much or how little we respect it. So, let's go on. Let's look look at more of this. Let's get more convicted and beat up. No, I'm kidding. The worth of Scripture. Let's look at it again. The Bible leads us to salvation. Look at verse... 15 again. And from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The Bible leads us to salvation. Turn with me to John chapter 3. You're going, are we going to John 3, 16? Yes, but not just that one. Look at John chapter 3. As you're turning to that, Paul told Timothy back in 2 Timothy that it does what? It is the sacred rites which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation. The word wisdom, it means in regard to things that are, that are, that are uh, it means to make wise, to enlighten, things that, in regard to things that, that spark you, things that make you, give you understanding of how to live life. But look at John chapter 3, look at verse 18. He who believes in him is not judged, meaning Christ. He who does not believe has been judged already. You go, what does that have to do? Watch this. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So, what have we seen so far? If you don't believe in Christ, you're not born again, not saved as we say, then you're judged, right? Let's go on. Verse 19. This is the judgment. That the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates. Now, circle the word hates and write in the, beside it detests. That's what that word means literally. Read it that way. For everyone who does evil detests the light. Who is the light? Christ. And does not come to the light for the fear that his deeds will be exposed. What does the word of God do? It exposes our deeds, good and bad. So when we, we're reading of this, we're moving towards Christ. Am I wrong? Let's go on. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. So what does this mean? Go back to 2 Timothy But keep your finger there in John. Wisdom, it gives us wisdom to lead us to salvation. The word lead means this. It means the motion. What's the motion? The motion is God's word. When we get into the word of God, it leads us, it moves us, it directs us towards salvation. The word of God will always direct us towards him, not towards anything else. It will always lead us to salvation. It will always tell us about being saved, what it means to walk saved, what it means to experience salvation, what it means to live as a saved believer. You see, am I making sense? Because you're all going, I see that during hunting season. Okay? So get a, get a little Pentecostal, okay? Turn back to John? Go back to John chapter 3, look at this, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So what does it do? The worth of scripture rests in the fact that it is God's word, and it brings wisdom and instruction to walk out salvation in the believer's life. That's it. God bless you. So what are we saying? Look at this. Expectation leads to transformation when you read the scriptures. If you expect them to work in your life, if you, when I got saved, like I said, I didn't know. I wasn't raised in church. I wasn't raised in the word of God. When I got saved, God began to do this because I got so excited about this, every time I read it, it was like, whoa! And I would drive my car over to my youth pastor's house, and I would say, Brother McNair, what does this mean? I think I know what it means. Well, tell me what it means. And I would tell him, he goes, that's like this much right and that much wrong. Let me show you. And he would take it. We had a thing called Weibert. You know what a Weibert is? Youth Bible Rap Time. How 70s and hippie is that? Okay, We had Weibers every Tuesday night at Brother McNair's house. Anybody that wanted to come. And we would just study the Word of God. Wednesday nights, we study the Word of God. Friday nights, even at the coffee house, we had a time of Bible study. You know, After the, you know, the groups at play or something like that, and we had Bible study or preaching, we would study the Word of God. Sunday mornings, we would be in Sunday school studying the Word of God. Sunday mornings, we would be in the church service hearing the preaching of the Word of God. Sunday nights, we had training union. You're going, what is that? It was a nighttime Sunday school. We would study the Word of God. Then we would go into preaching and in the service and we study. You get the point? It was being sa- we were being saturated with God's Word. And so in between that, we would saturate, hopefully, ourselves with the Word of God. Can I tell you a funny story? It, to me it was funny, but it really wasn't at the time. I was coming through with my Bible through the parking lot of the church. And I saw one of the cars, and I knew it was one of the deacons. And in the back window, this is when we used to have back windows, and you had that ledge on the back window that you would, you would lay down on when you were on long trips. You know, seatbelts, and we would lay, the kids would lay up there. Well, in the back window, I saw a Bible, and the son had taken it and done like this. And I knew whose car that was. It was one of our deacons. What's happening? Okay, there we go. I saw him. So I walked into the service, and I saw him there. And I said, you know, hey, Brother So-and-so. He goes, hey, Ronnie, how you doing? I said, good. And he said, did you forget something today? And I said, very kind. And he goes, why? I said, I saw your Bible, and it was all warped in the back window of your car. And he goes, oh. And he just stood there for a moment, and then he looked at me, and he goes, and I went, and I didn't mean anything mean by it. I just, I was like, why are you leaving the back of your car? And later on, he came back and he went, yeah. I went, yeah. He sat down on the front row, and they, I got to sit there without any trouble that day. <laughs> so, last one. The welcome of Scripture. Go to 14. The welcome of Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Let's look at this real quick. The scriptures welcome us to do what? It welcomes us to continue, right? Continue means this. Take your pen out. It means this to remain, to abide, to dwell. It's an invitation to come and dine. Come and dine on the Word of God. Feast on the Word of God. Come. You come. Continue in these. Timothy, continue to dine upon the Word of God, the sacred scriptures which you know. The second thing is, look at what it says, and become convinced of. Read it with me. You are continuing the things you have learned and become convinced of. Become convinced of means this. It means to confirm. It means to establish continue to dine on the things that are established in you, Timothy, that I've established, that my word is established in you and made strong in you. Look this up just later on. We don't have time this morning. 1 John chapter 5 verses 9 through 13. Write that on in your notes or you can look on your app. The notes are in there on the thing, under resources and under sermon notes. It's on there. Read that later on. So He's saying the welcome is this, come and dine and come and know. Come and dine, be, continue in it. Come and know, be convinced of it. The things that convinced you already, know them. The Bible helps give us the assurance of our salvation. You want to know you're saved? Get into the Word of God, you'll find out. It'll affirm your salvation that you're a believer. Or if you're not, it'll convince you you need to be saved. Am I making sense? Okay. So, the welcome of scripture is this: the welcome of scripture rests in the fact that it is God's word and it invites the believer to grow and grow in assurance of salvation. To grow in assurance of salvation. The Bible equips us to serve and walk with God earlier in 1 Timothy, the first letter he wrote in verse 11 of chapter 6, Paul calls Timothy a man of God. Any believer can become a person or a man or a woman of God. How? And I'm telling you this, hear me on this, by studying the Word of God, by obeying it and and letting it control one's life. I want to if you go through my Bibles, and this I'm not—this is not a brag in any way. Yesterday, I just out of curiosity, I pulled out all my, all the Bibles that I've ever really used. I've got tons of them because if you're a preacher, everybody wants to give you a Bible. I'm serious. I probably got 50 Bibles, easy. My wife's going, "Mm-hmm." They're stacked all up in our stuff, but there was there's actually five that are my Bible. There were six. But someone borrowed my little New Testament that I was talking about, and I never got it back. I had all kinds of notes and wonderful things in it. But I had this one. And if you go through it, you can see some things. Like I got a Gaither quote, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I got a date, 1977, May 22nd. It says, Sold out to Jesus. I've got, in fact, I put it up in my... My Facebook, I did this on purpose. The guy that led me to the Lord, Roy, he signed it. My pastor's wife, she signed us as they were leaving and going to another church. My pastor and I got saved under, Charles Horton, signed it. And I had this for a number of years through most of Bible college. But about my sophomore year, I moved to the nearly inspired version. That was King James. This is the NIV, nearly inspired version. Or some say necessary in the vineyard, not this vineyard. But you're going, what are you trying to tell us? If you open it up up these Bibles, you'll find old sermon notes, you'll find stickers, you find song quotes, all this stuff. Linda, I got a couple of pictures. I'll show you something. You probably can't see it. But it says, Read it and study it and write in it. Write in your Bible. This Go to the next one too, baby girl. Make it your own. Chronicle your walk. And last night I was sitting in the bed, and I had all five of those Bibles out, and I went through them in order. And it's true. You can chronicle your walk if you have one of these. You can't with this. I don't trust the cloud. I, I trust the cloud of God. I'm not knocking this. When I study at home, my Bible's sitting there, and this is sitting, you know why? I got my Bible program on here, and I can look up words, and I can look up in commentaries. There's nothing wrong with this. But you take this, and you can write in it. You can chronicle your growth. And when you look back on it, like some people journal. I don't journal. I journal in this. And that's not any better, any cooler, or any more special. But I journal in my Bible. I write in my Bible, you'll see dates, you'll see little quotes, you'll see, like I'm saying, take and circle that. And many times, I can remember so many times that I'm going, I remember where I wrote that down. I remember what was going on. Why is this life to us? Because it's God's word. If he breathed life into man, then he breathed this. What does that say? Immerse yourself in the Bible and see your life as God does. Look at Psalm 119.11 again. Turn with me. It'll be up on the screen, but turn with me. I'm going to turn also. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Verse 11. Your word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do you see that verse? Look at that verse in your Bible. After it says, I have treasured in my heart, draw a little line to separate the rest of the sentence from it because it means two things. Look what it means. The first part of that, your word, I have treasured in my heart, tells us how we are to value the word of God. how we are to value. It tells us the worth of God's word. It's something so special. It's a treasure. And the second half, that I might not sin against you, it tells us that our life explains and gives our view of God. You see that? The first half is our view of the word. The second half is our view of God. If we treasure him and we hide his word, we treasure his word in our heart, then we're not going to sin that much against him, which tells us our view. So on both of these things, we are to treasure his word, as, and we are to treasure him. That's why having, and I say this, having your own Bible, a Bible that's yours, that has your life in it, is important. The Bible is God's word. Now look look at this. The Bible is God's word gifted to us so that we may know him and his passionate love towards us in Christ. Read that again. The Bible is God's word gifted to us so that we may know him and his passionate love towards us. I want us to do something as a ministry time today. How many of you got one of these with you? Just hold it up. Even your phone. Okay. Now, I want you to stand with me. I'm going to bring Kelly up. Kelly, come on. In the vineyard, usually we have that time where we dim the lights, which we're not going to do. Okay? We have that time where we we pray for one another. We've already done that. But I want us to do something together. I want you to hold this. Have it in your hand. I'm going to tell you to do this. Do this. We're going to sing that last song that we sang today. Can we? Mm-hmm. Kelly's going, oh, thank you for calling that one out. <laughs> I just got off a ship and my voice hurts. <laughs> but we're going to sing this together. We're going to sing this more anthemic and as a commitment to Christ. Because everything in his song comes right out of his word. What gift of grace is Jesus my redeemer? Is the word calling him a redeemer? Yes. There's no more. For heaven, now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. That's all from the word of God. So hold your word. Hold this word, God's word. Hold your Bible. Excellent. Do it together. If you're next to your husband or your wife, grab your Bible and grab your spouse. There you go. Put your arm around that. Let's sing it together.
1: What gift of grace It's fire.
0: pray as we go. May we go with a renewed desire for your word. May we get a Bible or pull out our old Bible and once again make it our own. May we see in your word our life. May we chronicle our life in your word. May your word speak to us. And may we have ears to hear. We bless you, Lord. Thank you for your word. It may become holy in our lives once again. In Jesus' name, all God's people said,